0: Hey, young world! Welcome to the fifth episode of With a Plum, a show about the history, culture, and happenings in the beautiful game. I'm your host, Nim Nim. And flying the spaceship solo without my partner in crime, Raj, today, since he's traveling and currently in the home of football, that of course being England. But fret not, as we have the most special guest in the house this week, my dear friend of 25 years, Daniel, a.k.a. King Donnie, uh, a lifelong Juventino. He's in the house. Um, We've come a long way from playing FIFA 94 to this brother, but here we are. Pleasure to have you.
1: Good to be here. Thank you.
0: As is a tradition on our show, not me, because I always wear the same boring hoodie, but whoever the counterpart is, he or she wears uh, a special jersey that has meaning to them. So I had asked Daniel to wear a jersey of his choice. So please tell us, what are you wearing today, brother?
1: Well, it, it, it had to be uh, a Juventus jersey. Of course. Obviously. Uh, But I picked the 2002-2003 home uh, jersey uh, with the big vertical black and white stripes. It's kind of been uh, limited by like an oval shape, um, flanked by black, has this big, big uh, red lotto logos on the arms, and has weird uh, housings for the name and number on the back. Uh, The number is, of course, uh, the eternal number 10. Yes. uh, The greatest who ever lived. Uh, yeah, the this this is this jersey is near and dear to my heart because uh, it has to be worn oversized as uh, the the legend himself did, um, and I in fact got I think a, a size uh, bigger than my usual. Um, I had this close to the past 15-17 years, wow. um, and, I, and I wore this to so many five v five games uh, back in the day when I had the magical touch. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'd like to think I scored a goal or two, Piero. So. Oh, I'm sure you
0: did. I mean, that jersey is magic.
1: Yeah, with the uh, with the beautiful Fastweb as the um, <laughs> as the sponsor and uh, the 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 rightfully ours Scudetto patch on.
0: Mm-hmm. Is <laughs> is Fastweb still around? Do we know? <laughs> oh, yes, they are. That's amazing in this episode we'll cover some recent news including an update on the women's champions league the african cup of nations and aussie legend retiring oligana Sosiar becoming the full-time manager of manchester united and the new hot phenom moise ken after that section Daniel and I will have a QA. and a After that, Daniel will do a segment on Juventus Femminile. So Daniel, this last week, the Women's Champs League, now we know our semifinalists, uh, which will uh, take place in the last two weekends of April, Lyon, Chelsea, and uh, Bayern and Barcelona. Lyon, of course, have uh, Ada Hegerberg, who's the first ever women's Ballon d'Or winner. This was the inaugural year. But man, PSG, men's and
1: women's, they both choked. PSG, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 say it, I hate to say it, but they, they're kind of uh, making a reputation to, for themselves.
0: Seriously. The whole institution.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of embarrassing.
0: But, but credit to Chelsea. They hung in there, even though PSG owned that game. At the last minute, there was a beautiful chip into the box, and wonderful finish to really send them on on aggregate three two um, excited definitely excited to see uh, the the semis uh, mid-April
1: yeah they're they're a terrific side. I think for the past I've, I've been watching the uh, women's uh, Champions League for the past couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, but looking back at the record. Uh, the Olympic Lyonnais, they're a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Barcelona is definitely a very strong team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Just like the men's uh, side, it just uh, picking up heat as it gets into the quarterfinals and uh, semifinals.
0: So yeah. it's going to be exciting. That's going to be super exciting. Well, speaking of exciting tournaments, now we know who the 32 teams are for the African Cup of Nations this summer, which is taking place... Uh, June 21st through July 19th. It's actually overlapping a bit with the Women's World Cup. Lots happening in June and July this year, folks. Clear your calendars. In the 32nd edition of the AFCON, teams have expanded from 16 to 24 in six groups. Unfortunately, due to some national unrest, Cameroon was stripped of their hosting. uh, And in the last minute, this actually just happened in January. Egypt is now the new host, I'm super excited about a few teams. You know, Senegal right now, you know, they are uh, Sadio Mane, who for me, pound for pound, is, you know, top two, three, number nine, true number nine in the world, uh, captained by them. Amazingly, Senegal has never won the Afghan. Uh, they wow. Were, they were runners-up in '02, And for those of you that remember, the early 2000 Senegal team was an absolutely fantastic team to watch. Daniel, you know this, but I'm a super fan of the Super Eagles, uh, the Nigerian Super Eagles, best jersey right now. No questions asked. Three-time winners. Uh, I still want to see them win. They're such a young and exciting team. To
1: me, they're a little bit overhyped. <sighs> Stagger in the heart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, to a degree, you're right in that they haven't it's delivered. Really right no, but I mean, uh, you know, speaking pragmatically, They haven't delivered. I just have a lot of hope for them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Egypt can never discount them. They're the hosts. They're the winningest team of Afghan. They've won it seven times. Next up, Cameroon, five times winners and trying to do it back to back. They won the last African Cup of Nations. And lastly, do not sleep on Morocco. I really felt bad for Morocco in the World Cup. And the results they got. I thought they played much better than their results showed.
1: Um, yeah, I agree.
0: And they're they're an exciting team. They have a ton of pace on the flanks. They have great defenders. They just need to sort of sort it out up front. But I'm excited to see them.
1: Yeah, here's what I don't understand of the Afghan. Uh, explain to me how is it possible that Egypt is the winningest team and they're <laughs> Club teams won the uh, African Champions League many, many times, but their national team had performed so poorly on the world stage or in, uh, I should say, in uh, FIFA World Cup. How is it possible? Honestly, I don't know.
0: That's a great question. I mean, I've always asked myself that question with Egypt in particular. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, historically, when I think great uh, African footballing nations Egypt is not the one that comes to my mind. No disrespect yeah. to the Egyptians, obviously. I mean, right now they have arguably one of the best players on the planet in uh, Mohamed Salah. But, you know, when I think great African footballing nations, I think Senegal, which amazingly, they've never won at Afghan. Or like, I think Nigeria, I think Cameroon. Egypt Cameroon. never comes to my mind, but somehow they perform on the continental level. And then when they get to the global stage, nothing. Yeah. Um, whereas amazing. You know, I mean, you know, the, the uh, you know, Cameroon, um, um, Nigeria, they've actually, Senegal, they've made it into the further rounds of the World Cup. None has won it yet, but, you know, they've definitely had a stronger showing at World Cups than Egypt, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah they, had, they had managed to be a headache for big names on the world stage uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm, and of course, who can
0: ever forget the legend Roger Milla and that fabulous dance of his wow uh, you know the indomitable di- lions it's just they have such a rich history uh, always rooting for cameroon uh, i hope i hope they do well especially with all the unrest going on at the home front i know this can mean a lot to many many nations uh, as their football team is often a reflection of what's happening and sometimes the only respite uh, some of these folks get so. I really hope they put in a good showing. Well, speaking of legends, Tim Cahill, the Australian legend, after you know 23 years as a pro, finally retired. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Tim Cahill, uh, very famous for his ingenuity. Uh, some of the goals he scored. I mean, I remember that World Cup volley. How can you forget? And, of course, his famous celebration of, uh, of, of punching the corner flag, So corner flags all around the world can go to bed <laughs> a little bit easier knowing they're not getting punched by Tim Cahill anymore. But, of course, sad to see the legend go. Uh, of course, he'll, he'll, he'll be a permanent part of the history of football. Speaking of legends, again, uh, Ole Gunnar Solsiar won himself A contract. He's now the permanent manager at one of the world's biggest clubs, that of course being Manchester United. He's put in a string of incredibly impressive uh, performances his team has. He's been able to get results even when playing perhaps not their best. Uh, Yesterday being an example uh, where they were, you know, Watford, frankly, was the better team. They played better, but United got the result. They finished their chances. Uh, Well done, Olegunner. I love, I mean, Daniel, you know, we sort of see eye to eye on this. I love when, you know, former legends come to run clubs because, you know, they really live and breathe the culture and they bring that winning mentality. And yeah, it's just something special when you get uh, ex-players, ex-legends coming to clubs.
1: Absolutely. I think what was more astonishing for me at least personally looking from the outside was for uh the entire management the club uh not firing Mourinho sooner it was just uh baffling uh and the, the, for the for little for the fact that you actually have other people who could step in easily as uh Solskjaer abundantly showed yeah. uh could do a much better job so yeah, um, they
0: hung on to Mourinho too long. Just negative. Yeah. He wasn't positive.
1: Um, it wasn't good for the psyche. It's almost a different team. It's incredible. It is. It is. Uh, well, personally, um, I'm not. I can't. I can't claim to be too happy about this because <laughs> right until Xolcharek uh, stepped in, there was all these rumors about uh, uh, Paul Pogba coming back, coming back home. I should say, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming back to Juventus. But uh, it's understandably. Uh, It's a different world. Uh, It's a different uh, dynamic. And uh, I think now the British press can, after having his uh, fully uh, earned extension contract, they can go on, uh, criticize him unjustifiably. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's
0: how the media rolls.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of people doing well, uh, your beloved Juventus has a uh, rising star. You want to talk to us a little bit about Moise Ken?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, Ken, I've been watching him since he was uh, 15 or 16. So wow. all in all, I think in about four or five years, he is in many respects, a very uh, special type of player. He rose through the ranks of Juventus. He actually got his first contract, uh, I think two years ago, or a mm-hmm. year and a half. And I mean, professional contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he and there were all these talks. He spent a year away at uh, Verona trying to do his best, uh, avoiding relegation. Mm-hmm. And he actually was very, very good. I can't remember. They had the he was kind of brought in as uh, they gave him number nine. Verona essentially played a four, oh, five, wow. one, even though that was the case for almost the entirety of the season. And up until the very last stages, when it was fairly obvious that they're going down, uh, they never changed. Uh, strategy, uh, but even w- despite all those, uh, he managed to score four goals, and I think he did three assists. He actually performed very well in a in a league that is uh, famous for tough defending, very um, very defensive minded uh, league in in mm-hmm. general. And I think uh, he, he he made the right choice to for, to come back. Uh, he spent the entire uh, first half of the season on the bench. And, uh, I think it was, uh, there were lots of rumors going around that he would, he would go on loan for like the half, the rest of the, the half of the season, uh, in, in January. And, uh, as, uh, you know, and, uh, probably a lot of your listeners know, uh, his, uh, agent is, uh, the, the mm-hmm. super agent, Mino Raiola. Uh, so, and he's, he's known for doing what is best for his, uh, Uh, players, uh, clients uh, rather than the teams so there were all these talks about him going to PSV Eindhoven or even uh, going to Ajax Uh, but he stayed uh, and I think he did the right uh, he he made the right choice, he did the right thing Uh, he scored in in Coppa Italia against Bologna unfortunately Juventus got eliminated out of that um, competition but then he went on and uh, scored for uh, Azzurri In two back-to-back games, uh, yeah, it made him, I think, the youngest player to ever score in consecutive games for the national team, which is uh, phenomenal. He also scored, I think, just before leaving for Verona, he scored at the age of 17 for Juventus, which made him, I think, the youngest player who ever scored in Serie A for Juventus. Um, So the numbers, I I guess what I'm getting at is the numbers speak for themselves. He is he's phenomenal. But what I, what I want to, if, 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 if I may, yeah, I wanted to talk about, about a minute about his, obviously, he's, he's a talent. Obviously, he's one of, uh, one of those uh, generational players when you very rarely get one um, in 10 to 20 years. And his relationship with uh, Mr. Allegri, uh, Juventus' head coach, has been very, very interesting. Uh, So Allegri is known for giving time to young talent and giving them a chance on the biggest stages. For example, last year when Juventus was playing Barcelona Mm. in the group stages of Champions League, admittedly uh, Juventus didn't have any fit midfielders, but he fielded uh, Rodrigo Bentancur, the Uruguayan, uh, who went on and had a terrific year with uh, uh, Uruguay in Mm -hmm. the World Cup. So he, he, he I, I don't think you can blame him for lack of faith in young talent, the same way that most people criticize Mourinho, for example. But at the same time, he's a he's a stubborn guy, and he would like to make an example of things or issues that he, for obscure reasons, try to prove the rest of the world um, that they're wrong. So as soon as all the hype went up about Moise Kane's uh, consecutive goals uh, for the national team. He went on and then the press before the game against uh, Empoli said that, yeah, of course he uh, scored, but he's not uh, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Who said that? (laughs) Who said he's Cristiano Ronaldo? And of course he banished him for the Empoli game. Juventus now, some of your listeners might not know, but uh, Juventus is actually 15 points ahead the Scudetto is pretty much done and dusted with. And uh, I think it is the best time to, play to do out. a trial. Trial of exactly both players and new tactics. Uh, but he just went with his own tried and true and failed system and uh, started uh, Mario Mandzukic over uh, Moise Ken. And lo and behold, Juventus played an impressively un on- attractive game <laughs> up until 60th minute. And then uh, there was no choice but to actually bring uh, Kane on. And I think it was the first or second touch of the ball <laughs> where he scored a fantastic goal. And who would have thought? <laughs> he has a lot of poise for a young person.
0: He's very, very calm on the ball. Yes. Uh, these are all fantastic signs.
1: Yes. Look, he, he actually, he <clears throat> I think it was a five or six minutes after his goal, he actually uh, missed yeah, the one-to-one. Uh, which was, yeah, which was kind of uh, his, his age disappointing. Child. But I think, it's his, yeah, he, he's 19. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure if you look back at the uh, the greatest talent who ever lived and look at how they played when they were 19, uh, you must be able to find something exactly. similar.
0: No, he'll he'll learn that with age, you know, either put your foot through it or chip them. Uh, credit to the goalie. He did come out and, and you know smother, made smother himself, made yeah, he made himself yeah. big. But again, with age, I think it will come. He has ton of promise. If I'm a Juventus fan, I'm just happy that he's on my team. And hopefully uh, yeah. in time he 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 essentially doesn't give the head coach a choice but to start him. You know, as fantastic as Manzukich has been many, many years in a row. And again, even even Moise Ken's goal came from a knockdown from him.
1: Unintended assist or half intended <laughs> yeah. assist,
0: but But you know, he's he's aging, so long term Juventus will need a
1: replacement
0: for um, Super Mario. And
1: Yeah. They they pushed out uh Higuain, which I think it was uh um uh, not not uh, the, the greatest agree. move. That broke my heart. Uh,
0: it broke yeah. him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, retrospectively, they might have made the a good choice for the club because he, as you've seen, had a horrible half season with uh, AC Milan, and even at Chelsea, where uh, Maurizio Sarri is uh, favoring him and protecting and shielding him, he still is not performing. Uh, so maybe that was the right move, uh, given his hefty wages. Uh, but they, they 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 pushed him out. <clears throat> we kind of are going without a number nine, a true and true number yeah. nine, because Mandzukic is not playing the number nine anymore. He's <clears throat> he never was a classic nine. He used to play nine for Bayern Munich for a period of mm-hmm. time, but uh, that, that number nine that we had in Higuain, who would just guarantee twenty five goals a season, uh, we, we 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 never replaced. Um, and I, I think it's it's just uh, very, very satisfying to see that uh, someone who rose through the ranks and essentially cost us nothing uh, would eventually hopefully one day uh, wear that iconic number yeah. nine. I
0: mean, that's that's the dream for any club. Right. And when we think about mm-hmm. the history of some of the best teams, I mean, think about the early 90s Ajax team, the early 90s, mid 90s to late 90s United team. The you know mid early to mid, even I guess late 2000s, Barcelona team, most of those teams were constructed from, you know, uh, home field talent. Uh, these were folks that came through their own academies and really carried those teams on their backs. So it's, I'm always uh, excited when I see a player coming up through the ranks and sort of earning his or her own spot on, on the first team. It's always exciting. So in our Q&A section, I'm going to ask Daniel a few questions, and he's going to educate us with his wealth and depth of knowledge about the beautiful game. So without further ado, Daniel, pick a midfielder and tell me why you love them.
1: Oh, that's too easy. <laughs> uh, let's I, w- I would pick the the, uh, what the Italian's uh, athlete called uh, the Czech Fury Pavel Nedved. Oh, wow. Uh he used to he he used to play for uh, Lazio for the longest time. Uh Juventus actually funded his transfer by selling uh, Zinedine Zidane <laughs> and uh, we never looked back. Um he won the Ballon d'Or and uh that would be my pick cuz he is uh He's, uh, he. I have so many fond memories of him playing in the black and white. Yeah, and I mean, of course,
0: again, speaking about former players, legends that are part of um, clubs, he's omnipresent at Juventus today.
1: Yes, he is the he's the VP of the, the the whole organization. Yeah,
0: and for for our listeners, if you don't know who Pavel Nedved is, please go and Google him. Watch some videos. You will marvel at his passes, long-range shots. That's Pavel Nedved, P-A-V-E-L-N-E-D-V-E-D. You won't regret watching those
1: clips. Trust me. Well, tell me... (laughs) You're going to have have a good time guaranteed on YouTube.
0: (laughs) Well, tell me, what's your most memorable
1: moment with uh, uh, and from Pavel Nedved? Oh, uh, it was the... Without a doubt, it was the return game in uh, two thousand and three Champions League semi final yes. against Real Madrid. Yes. It was a, uh, it was it was uh, it was a memorable night. Not in the, not in the way that most people would associate their favorite players with. Started the game very strong. He essentially effectively singing Hanley eliminated Real Madrid by a wonder goal. It's go and watch it. It's I think it's on the UEFA's uh, YouTube channel, and it's amazing. Uh, no one could have stopped him. This was kind of signature uh, Nidbit And uh, he was very close to finish up uh, and uh, take Juventus to that coveted Champions League final. Um, where I think it was uh, two minutes to the regulation time when the uh, eternal dive artist, Steve McManaman, <laughs> uh, caused him to get a yellow card. Uh and it's it's amazing if you watch the uh the reaction that Ned had right after because he knew he was on a yellow and he knew that he's gonna miss the final. Mm. So he just uh caves in This had to between his hands and it was uh and even after the game he was he was crying, yeah. despite the fact that he went to the final. And um uh, yeah. No, that was was, was uh, a
0: heartbreaking moment. But I remember that. I remember he actually made a run through the channel. This wasn't this wasn't one of his just long range shots uh, when he scored. But yeah, that was that was a travesty when you see a player of his caliber missing a final.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in honesty, I think that was the reason that Juventus won uh, lost that final. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, you can't, you know, he's he's a Ballon d'Or winner.
0: You're going to you're going to miss him in your midfield if he's not playing. Uh, It's not. It's not Nima playing in the in the middle. (laughs) You wouldn't miss
1: me, mind you. This was in two thousand and three, and he he stayed with Juventus even during the the relegation to Serie B, and uh, continued to play at a very very top level for many many years after. I think he he retired in two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. Um, and uh, he continued to perform for Juventus. That's right. It's, uh, even even though that he didn't have probably the legs that he had when he was 29, mm-hmm. uh, but he continued to be a, a very effective midfielder.
0: You know what's amazing about some of these uh, legends like, you know, Pavel Nedved, uh, Dennis Bergkamp, Ryan Giggs, these folks that really played late on to their 30s, and some of them even early 40s, they almost got better as they got older Mostly because of their sense of positioning, right yeah yeah they,
1: they adapt their game yeah they they, they kind of learn um, or I should say teach themselves how to have to reckon with the fact that they're not twenty eight anymore <laughs> right uh, not that many people are capable of doing that. Yeah. A lot of people keep pushing, and that's when you see a thirty one year old who used to do bag like two or three goals a game kind of running out of steam at 65 minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. So not a lot of people can can adapt. Well, But then again, that's why you don't have that many 33-year-olds conquering the world of football. That's true. Just like Cristiano Ronaldo, by the way. (laughs) That's true. That's true.
0: No, a a lot of things are going right for your team right now. Bask in that glory, brother. Well, (laughs) if, if you could drop Nedved into any team today,
1: What team would that be, and why? Oh, it 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 would be treason. It would be high treason (laughs) to put him in any other Juventus. But in all seriousness, I would I would have put him uh, in the right smack in the middle of the Juventus midfield. Mm -hmm. We have been looking for uh, a replacement. We had Pirlo for uh, three or four years, and he he was Mm -hmm. he was immense, Uh, but he was not. The same type of player, mm-hmm. and we had Vidal, who I think left too soon, I, I um, and I, he he could have had a a lot better track record um, with Juventus uh, if he stayed on uh, than uh, leaving for Bayern Munich. Um, but I think in in all seriousness, I think the 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 midfield that would benefit most from a player. Uh, of of his caliber and uh, the, the, his style of play, it would have been uh, this, especially this year's Juventus, because I think we were a little bit not as not as phenomenal uh, in midfield as in other areas of the pitch.
0: Right, right. Well, l- last question, fun one, not necessarily about Nedved, uh, but you can squeeze him in if you want, uh, <laughs> since you and I have played uh, FIFA, the the video game. Since 1994, maybe we're, we're aging ourselves here. But
1: what's your favorite? Yeah, I don't. I don't you, keep, you keep telling me you keep accusing me of doing that. I don't remember that. I was too young for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, sure.
1: Um,
0: so, what's your favorite uh, year of FIFA, 94 till
1: today? Oh well, so with the caveat that I haven't actually played, I think the last two Fifas, <laughs> um, but I don't. But I honestly don't think it would change my opinion. I would say it has to be the Fifa nineteen ninety eight World C- World Cup. C- yeah, it was the special edition, um, and it was uh, it was it was a very interesting game because I think it was the very first edition. That they um, had an extra section to the entire game where you could go in and modify a lot of things. Not the like how well your players are playing, like your um, uh, like their their scorecards are the same, uh, but you could change uh, how like their their facial features. You could have. changed I remember how that. they look. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So they had like this whole new thing, and I remember sitting in front of my computer and like spending on average three or four hours a day for like five straight days to uh cut the uh national team, uh Iran national team to the to to to, to, the, to the, the 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 latest and the most recent uh setup yeah. uh, of our, our our national team. And then we would go on playing and then of course not being able to uh get out of our group stages. <laughs> Heartbreak hotel.
0: Um. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, no, man, that was that was a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal game. Last few years, I've only been playing uh, football games on my iPhone. This year, I'm actually not playing EA Sports' FIFA. I'm playing uh,
1: PES. I think it was PES for the longest time that, when they had this uh, thing that they couldn't have the actual p- uh, players' names. That's Is right. That right. That's right. Yeah. It, it still is true for some
0: leagues. So uh, uh, the the English teams and I think, oh, yeah, I want to say the Spanish ones too. But, uh, you know, they have the French League, the German League. They have all the names of players now. but mm-hmm. But there's still some rights issues that they don't have. But I remember one of the first... Uh, major improvements to the quality of the game in terms of, like, players' movements and faces, it was PES, and that was the first year where I didn't play FIFA, where I switched to PES. Right. But then FIFA, or EA Sports, rather, caught up very quickly, and effectively now they're indistinguishable. I agree. Moving on to our last segment, and the Juventus Feminile Uh, I'm going to pass the mic on to our friend Daniel so that he can educate us on what's happening uh, at his beloved Juventus
1: on the women's side of the game. Of course. Uh, Well, Juventus uh, is a never expanding project. Uh, The vision is for them to become the best in uh, everything uh, football related. Uh, so in, 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 in that respect, it made perfect sense for uh, Juventus to form uh, a women's team. Um, the, officially, they called it uh, Juventus Women, uh, and this shows uh, how much they're dedicated in making this an international brand. Mm-hmm. So Juventus, what they did is uh, similar to the men's uh, game. They have uh, a Serie A for women. Um, And uh, there were usually 12 to 14 teams, depending on the year, who would compete in this league every year. Uh, Last year, um, Juventus essentially started by buying another team's license to play in the Serie A. It was AC's Cuneos, um, who essentially has men and women team. Juventus essentially bought their place in the competition. They finished, uh, I believe, seventh Mm. the year before. Uh, but what happens is once you relinquish your license to play in that league, uh, you can still have your team and everything. You just have to uh, start at a uh, lower tier. So to to my knowledge, uh, Cunio's team actually uh, essentially became uh, 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 defunct in a sense that they're just uh, playing as in like an amateur club. I don't believe they um, any longer have a team. But mm. uh, moving on with Juventus, there was uh, a lot of... Uh, criticism uh, toward what they did because hmm. there was all these talks about what Juventus did and how they did it. Uh, they essentially went on and bought, I think, four or five azuri players, the national team players, from uh, competition. And uh, because it's Juventus, uh, you would think that a lot of people won't say no uh, when, you, when the offer comes in uh, knocking the door. So, so what happened was uh, Juventus started with this league. That that year was a little bit interesting in a sense that the the structure of the league is uh, dictated by an, an organization called Lega Nazionale Dilettanti, uh, which is essentially the amateurs league. Hmm. Um, so, it, it is in charge of all the games that are played in a non-professional uh, setting in the entire Italy. And uh, they have 12 teams in the league, uh, and they actually uh, send four teams to the lower tier each year, which is amazing if you think about it. It is like uh, if uh, uh, the EPL would send the uh, bottom seven or eight teams to the lower tier. Yeah, that would, that would make things very interesting. But that's how they did it. Why is and, that uh, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't, and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not entirely sure if it's going to be the same this year. And I'm going to talk about it in a second, but this was back in, this was last year. This was uh, when this was the, uh, the, under the, uh, the purview of the uh, LND. And uh, apparently they have a quite a bit different rule book compared to the, um, the professional leagues. Uh, I think they, they want to make it more exciting, I, I assume, uh, but I, I wouldn't know. Um, but the, eventually, the, the, the criticisms, I think, was not at all baseless, but I think it was a little bit overblown. If you look at that same year, uh, Tessuolo, another young and uh, aspiring team yeah. with a really ambitious project, essentially went and bought the license of the team that just got promoted, Reggiana, huh. which is, uh, I guess, the, 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 this is the, the Italian way. Yeah. If you got the money. <laughs> just imagine. Playing for an entire year in a, a lower tier league uh, to buy yourself a promotion, only uh, to be told to go uh, two tiers down and start from the beginning. <laughs> um, but anyway, the so so you must started uh, with this project. They actually got four four or five players from uh, Brescia, who uh, eventually ended up being the runners up that year. They took uh, Martino Rosucci. Barbara Valencia, uh, Cecilia Salvai, and Sara Gama, who is the, the captain of the national team as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, it, was, it, was, it was a fantastic season. I actually, I think, I believe, I watched around 80% of the games. It was phenomenal. They actually went through the entire season losing only twice. Uh, wow. They lost 1-2 uh, yeah, uh, to Brescia at home. Uh, and then they lost 2-1 to the reigning champions, Fiorentina. Um, hmm. It was uh, it was a very very exciting uh, game uh, to watch, and in, in the entire season, they actually conceded only nine goals, which is again wow. uh, that is very really, Juventus of them. Uh, very <laughs> Juventus of them. Los you bet, hundred percent. essentially, and, I, it, and I'm just saying this half-jokingly because it's it's the way that Juventus actually builds teams. So they say, well, you have to have a very solid base of defense. And you have to make sure that you don't have to worry when you attack. So um, that's why I think they bought Cecilia and Sara as their uh, center backs, because they're, they're phenomenal. They've been playing together, I believe, for the past five years for Russia, uh, since uh, Cecilia was 17, I think. And it was a really, really exciting season um, for Juventus and for the fans to watch. Uh, so Juventus ended up um finishing on equal points with Brescia. Hmm. Um, and if, despite the fact that Juventus actually, if you if you looked at their head to head games, as I said, they lost one to two at their home, but they went away and they crushed Brescia 4-0. <laughs> uh so if you wanted to go off of that, then Juventus should have been announced champions. Yeah. Uh but they didn't. And they opened the L and D's rule book and uh they uh, essentially said that even um, a goal difference wouldn't matter because again, if you went off of uh, a a goal difference, Juventus had a uh, plus 55 uh, to Brescia's 47. Uh, And they said, no, that's not how we do it. Uh, And in fact, you have to play in a playoff game. (laughs) Whereas the Italians would like to call it (laughs) this, so it was, it was, it was a really, really interesting take on it. And I, Started like, asking people who knew the, uh, the Italian game better, and no one had any idea. Apparently, this is a rule that was written many years ago in a book, and they just had to open it and realize that because it's not uh, professional football, this is a different set of rules. So um, they had to reserve a, a big stadium for this, and they couldn't figure out like, on, which, on which soil is it, should it be at Torino or should they go to Brescia? So he ended up uh, settling for Nevada, which is about an hour and a half from uh, Torino. Mm. And, uh, and they played a very, very uh, scary tight game. Uh, and uh, throughout regulation time and extra time, scoreless, um, the Juventus came very close to scoring a couple of times, but um, it, it showed that they were on uh, equal points for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, then so the game went to the penalties, and the Classic first penalty Italians. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you have to you have to build up the drama. <laughs> uh, so the first penalty taker by you, but uh, so Juventus started, and the first penalty taker was uh, uh, Juventus, and it was Barbara uh, Boninseia. So she is. Um, let me She's give amazing. you a little bit, of context. like yeah, for well, well you, you you probably know her, but let me give you a little bit of context for your listeners. She is kind of, in in my opinion, she's like a female Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. She is not in terms of like how many titles she 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 has won, but her style of play. She's very versatile. She can play attacking midfielder. She can play central uh, attacking midfielder. She can be the right winger, uh, and she plays all of them exceptionally well. Mm. She has this uh, knack for the goal. She is amazing all in all uh a really talented striker and player yeah Um, uh, so she goes behind the ball sets the ball straight and misses mm. yeah. <laughs> it was uh and i was watching that mind you i'm watching this live and i'm like oh this is this is done yeah this is all the trauma of roberto badger missing a penalty yeah <laughs> Uh, so it was it was amazing because uh, the other penalty takers actually were not affected at all. But the whole drama, uh, and they took them one by one. And in fact, um, one of Russia's midfielders, uh, I think, uh, her name is uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but I think it's uh, Delicik. Uh, she's Polish, mm-hmm. uh, and she missed the penalty for Russia. I think it was the third penalty. Uh, by uh, uh, admittedly, by some heroics by uh, UA's keeper uh, Laura Giuliani, and uh, so we went to the sixth penalty. Uh, so the, the regular <laughs> five penalties, again four-hole. classic Italians, classic Italian, uh, and then it was very, very, very interesting. I think you can actually watch the video again on YouTube uh, of the entire um, uh, uh, the penalty shootout. And the, uh, Juventus's uh, midfielder turned turn left-back, uh, Lisa Bogtin, actually um, very confidently uh, netted the penalty. And then it was the Brescia's turn. And their uh, player, Federica De Crescio, skies the ball. And there's ecstasy. Yeah, the first Scannetto goes to Juventus. The Novara studi- Stadium is in... Uh, state of glory and they're all singing the mm-hmm. Storia del Grandi amore uh this is this is phenomenal i highly encourage you to watch it in fact i think that the the wheel was keep going I have the stream never stop and i think i watched oh that's another amazing hour. it was it was amazing because i watched another hour of <laughs> just people celebrating precious I mean, <laughs> bre- players were not happy but the rest of the stadium. And uh, us players, our ladies, were just ecstatic. It was, um, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was a very, very interesting uh, experience. So off the off heels of that success, um, Juventus essentially announced, the management announced that they take this very seriously. In fact, I think uh, the president, uh, Andrea Nelly, uh, had both teams, both men and women teams, players, the first team, um, up on the stage with him uh, in the annual gala. That's the right uh, and thing they congrat- to do. Yeah, and they congratulated them. Uh, they also put a lot of resources behind them, um, and uh, they were kind of. I think it was, it was that around that time where they uh, came out public and they said, <clears throat> in four years we want to be among the four, top four or top eight teams in Europe in the women's uh, football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a <clears throat> realistic goal because Juventus. Uh, obviously being the champions, uh, qualified for the uh, Women's Champions League. And uh, they had a very disappointing start. Uh, they actually lost to Brunby, uh the Danish team, uh, on the very first round. Uh, and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the head coach, Rita Guarino, said that uh, this was a good lesson. Uh, we'll come back uh, stronger next year. So hopefully, hopefully that would be the case. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 but what I wanted to uh, say, if I may, uh, in a uh, in a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. is uh, the the, 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 f- the phenomenal success by Juventus actually had ripple effects. So AC Milan went on right after Juventus's Scudetto and bought Brescia's team in its entirety. Oh wow! Very <laughs> So they essentially bought Brescia and not just the name or the license, but the entire squad. Wow! So they got all the. Uh, they actually had the top scorer in their team, Daniela Sabatino, uh, and they bought all the rest of the team. They essentially relegated brescia to Serie C, the the lowest tier. Yeah. Uh, and they started Inter Milan took a little bit different route. They actually have a team, I believe, in the lower tiers, and they just decided to strengthen that and make it a project for them to. Uh, uh, earned their promotion to uh, Serie A. The other thing that happened was the uh, Lega Procaccio, the administrative body for uh, Serie A, they actually all of a sudden became interested in the whole thing. (laughs) And they took over from the uh, the amateurs' uh, administration, um, which had good and bad effects. Um, it, It was obviously very good because it gave it visibility that it so desperately needs. But at the same time, because it is now under the auspices of Lega Calcio Pro, the, um, the, rights, the the streaming rights went out, and up until then, I was able to watch it on um, the Juventus uh, season Virtual Pass, uh, so you can just go on the website or on your app and you can watch the games live. Uh, but I couldn't, because uh, now it's only uh, licensed to Sky Sports uh unless you're you're willing to delve into the uh uncharted territory of unlicensed streams <laughs>
0: <laughs> well like like you said I think it's it's positive for the game in that more people hopefully should be able to access the games of course, it's not always fun when um when you know it's just not available i mean i see how uh, football has expanded in the United States by just the Premier League and Syria this year, Uh, Syria being available in the US, the general knowledge and interest of people in the game has increased. So well-deserved ladies, they've earned the right to be here. And I hope the game continues to get bigger and bigger. Um, Some of you might have heard uh, in the news, in the last month alone, there was the the Barcelona-Atletico Madrid women's teams squared up. That game, I think, drew 69,000 fans. And then, of course, uh, Juventus and Fiorentina's women's teams at the Alliance Stadium uh, in Turin. That drew 39,000 fans, which was uh, record-breaking. A lot, of, a lot of exciting things happening in the women's game, and we're here to celebrate it. So, Daniel, thank you so much for giving us this uh, incredible background. Before we bounce, uh, first off, I wanted to thank our dear friend Daniel for coming on the show. Uh, Beyond grateful for you making time, my friend. Uh, Pleasure to be here. A a concept we've been playing with at Eterno has been League of Billions, which is there are very few players that actually play at the highest level of, of the game, but there's literally three and a half billion people who follow the game, love the game, spend their weekends and midweeks watching the game. So all of us belong in the League of Billions. And I'm beyond grateful to have such a dear friend of 25 years on the show as our first official League of Billions episode. With that said, please subscribe to our podcast if you like it. Uh, You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, of course, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, you name it. We're all on on all the platforms. If you know people who love the beautiful game, please tell them about it. We'd love to hear from you. You can always reach us on... Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at forward slash EternoHQ. That's E-T-E-R-N-O-H-Q. And of course, you can always sign up on our website, Eterno.Boutique, for updates. We're beyond grateful for you tuning in week in and week out. Your support means everything to us. It gives us the fuel to keep going and spreading the the good word of the beautiful game. And on that note, We'll see you next time. One love.
1: (laughs) Fina la fina and forza juve.